0: On a mission, on a quest, on a search for discovering the truth. Join us on our journey to discovering a Savior.
1: All right, welcome to Your Church Friends Podcast. I'm Chris. I'm Mirde. So the holidays passed. That's been some fun times. Yeah. Especially for us because they haven't happened yet. <laughs> okay. I was like, are we going to address that that's not Yeah, no, no, I mean, this. I think this one's coming out somewhere after, or a little bit before New Year's Eve, after Christmas. So I'm so glad that you addressed that, because I was going through so much turmoil in my mind of like,
0: do I make stuff up?
1: <laughs> I got the best present. Do I week, just roll week? with it? What do I do here? That, yeah. that was the really awkward, yeah. yeah.
0: But I feel like that's my response to most of the it things is. that you start with, is just you look at me and I go,
1: Yeah. Yeah, no one would have noticed the difference. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, since they haven't happened but will happen, oh, it's one of those, uh, what is the hyzer? Already but not yet? Yeah, already but not yet. Uh, Since that's happening right now, uh, we hope that everyone had a good holiday and we'll have a happy new year. Absolutely. There it is. (laughs) All your emotions into that one. (laughs) I was trying to come up with something to say that would fit.
0: (laughs) What, yeah, it's fine. What do we got next? <laughs> what do we got next? All right, so <laughs> what this, else are you gonna stump me with?
1: That's it, we're done. Uh, this episode, we are calling it uh, the myth that's true. So, we purposely did that. And when we get into the portion of scripture that we're gonna look at, there, you'll start seeing all these connections. But, um, I want to do something to with a myth busting about Jesus. And, uh, I have, are we bringing in those guys? I wish we could, that would be really cool. Yeah, what are we blowing up? Honestly, anything. Yeah. When they would do like, sorry, it's a weird tangent, but when they would do the like myths about things that were like, Can you fold paper? And yeah. they get like air hanger size piece of paper and
0: they're using like steamrollers.
1: Yeah. And that was cool. But the best ones were always like the explosion things yep. or like how this and that works. But, uh, anyways, no, we're not getting those guys. They cost too much money. And like I've said earlier, budget cuts and legals, yada, yada, yada. But one thing that I know we won't have issues with the budget cuts and legals is uh, I've been reading on my own um, Mark Clark's uh, The Problem of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So he had his That's book. That's different than The Problem of God. Yeah, yeah. He had The Problem of God, and it's just uh, answering eight questions to skeptics about uh, who God is. And it's like from creation to um, hell and uh, sexuality, it covers like a, a wide range. Apologetics. That's what it's called. And this one is more of like Jesus. So it locks in with Jesus in the beginning of the book. has It's really cool. So I'm, I took a lot of parts that I thought were the more interesting things. Um, but if you want anyone, you could, I'll put a link in the show description. You go buy it and read it for yourself. But there were some cool things that he had brought up from his own study. So I'm just going to read a few of them. So uh, outside of the Bible mentions of Jesus. So we're talking about like this myth of Jesus's birth, who he is, mm-hmm. uh, can we trust it and are all the things that we know about Jesus in the Bible? And he says, no, there's not. So I think it's Tachycus. Uh He wrote that Nero fastened the guilt on a class hated for their abomination called Christians by the populace. Christus, which I'm meaning is Christ, uh, from whom the name had its origins, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of Pontius Pilate. So that's an outside writing that mentions Christ um, and the Christians being, uh, what's the word I'm looking Persecuted? for? Persecuted? Persecuted. Uh, and then also Pontius Pilate, which is crazy because a lot of what we know about Pontius Pilate, we just kind of discovered and found out about the guy. You know what year that guy's from? I don't. I don't think he had it written down. And then he has the Babylonian Talmud uh, wrote that on the eve of the Passover, Yeshua was hanged for 40 days before the execution took place. A herald cried, he's going forth to be uh, stoned because he had practiced sorcery and enticed Israel to apostasy. And then our favorite Josephus wrote, uh, about this time there lived Jesus, a wise man If indeed one ought to call him a man, for he wrought surprising feats, he was the Christ. While Pilate condemned him to be crucified, those who had come to love him did not give up their affection for him. On the third day he appeared restored to life, and uh, the tribe of Christians uh, has not disappeared. And in Mark's book, he writes that from these writings alone, this is what we know about Jesus. Uh, He was a Jewish teacher People believed he performed miracles and exorcisms. Uh, He believed he was the Messiah. He was uh, tried and crucified under Pontius Pilate. And despite his death, his followers believed uh, he was alive and worshipped him as God. So outside the Bible basically lines up with what we know in the Bible Mm -hmm. uh, from it. And then he has historian Edwin uh, Yamachi Uh, agrees that, When we compare the records of other religious figures in history, for instance, Buddha, Muhammad, we have a better historical documentation for the existence of Jesus uh, than for any of these other founders, which I think we've covered before, kind of like talked about. Uh, And then between Luke and Acts, Luke identified 32 countries, 54 cities, nine islands without air. And I brought that fact in from his book because, I mean, we've been talking about Luke's. Just great historical writing. Like that's what he was doing was I'm writing you. Uh, I searched it out. I yeah. did the research. Yeah. Uh, the earliest gospel written was Mark, dated by scholars as early as AD 60, with Matthew and Luke written shortly after. Uh, this puts all three gospels being written about 30 years after Jesus' death. We've talked about that. Uh, but here's something that I don't think we've really mentioned. It says, he, he wrote in there, to compare these uh To compare, there are two ancient biographies of Alexander the Great, the earliest of which uh, the few manuscripts were written 400 years after Alexander died, Uh, and historians trust all these writings as historically accurate. Um, So this is kind of going against the myth that uh, the Gospels were written too long after the events of Jesus, uh, and most scholars reject that completely. Um, And then he continued writing, uh, For Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this means... The audience reading them could check up on the accuracy of the facts contained within them. If the gospels made an inaccurate claim, people could correct the mistakes, uh, correct the mistake, and they would have been seen, uh, wouldn't be seen as a trusted source. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about that even with this of like how much Luke is talking about there being people there that they could go check the facts with.
0: And I think that it's just one of those things that as modern people. Uh, you brought up Alexander the Great and mm-hmm. we brought up so many other examples um over the course of the podcast. But it is just that thing of when you're children, you get taught things in school. Right. And you just get taught kind of the results of it. You don't get all this super boring, like, no, here's the manuscripts and here's what mm-hmm. like, you know. So we very much just take those things as true, as fact, as whatever. Right. But where the doubts get brought in is when it's concerning Jesus, is when it's concerning the Bible, and we're not really equipped to have that conversation because all of a sudden, oh, there's doubts, and here's all the reasons why right, you should right, doubt right, it. Right, yeah. But nobody ever brought that up for the other things. Mm-hmm. Like the critical thinking wasn't brought up beforehand. Yeah. So now because this one's being questioned, we just end like, Oh, this is the. If this is what everyone's questioning, then it's worthy of being questioned. Mm-hmm. And especially when we're looking at this thing of like the myth that's true. Uh, something about a man named Alexander the Great right. makes me think that there might be some myths involved right, with that man's right, life. Yeah. Just, just saying. And to really take that, as, like, here's the history of what went on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, y- just when we're looking at the myth that's true, mm-hmm. there's so much evidence. And we've talked about it before, and I, I really like what Mark Clark brought out there. Um, that just, yeah, this not a myth. It's pretty solidly factual.
1: Right. I think one of the things too, when you're talking about like the things that we are taught and not being able to counter, one of the bigger ones that gets brought up is uh, that a lot of what's in the Bible, especially within the gospels, at times contradicts each other. Mm -hmm. When you're talking about uh, were there two angels that appeared at the tomb of Jesus? Was it just one? Um, And some of the little details between the stories that do kind of uh, blend in together that they're they're missing details or someone adds something that the other one didn't um and for a lot of times people will look at that and say like oh because they're not uh, lined up perfectly, we can't trust this as a trusted source right but most historians and and people who like deal with uh, crime investigators when they're looking at things, if something is perfectly accurate. From multiple people, they say the same things over and over again. That was rehearsed. That was collaborated, and you can't trust it. But if there's differences within the stories, then they're like, those are accurate tellings of it. Um, And and that's what we see here. And even with, like, you're talking about Alexander the Great and, like, the fabrications of it. 400 years, not that many manuscripts of his life. I think we've talked about it before, too, of what's the famous philosopher? Plato? Yeah, Plato and Aristotle. Yeah, that... Uh, Written way after their life, uh, and there's only like a few manuscripts of the documents. And I forget the order: who came after who. I think Mm -hmm. did Plato come after
0: Aristotle? But we only know about the older one from the writings of the other one, right? It's like you don't even have writings of the guy from before; you only get it from these
1: conversations that were recorded and looked at as historical figures that uh, are trustworthy. And these sources are are like, hey, this is true because we have this. But with the gospels. There are so many manuscripts of them that could be linked back to first century, third century, really close to the time of Jesus's life. Um, And there's just I think there are thousands of them, if I remember. And that's the one that always gets questioned. And what I like about Mark, and I I was kind of going to save this for the end, but what I like about Mark, what he writes in there is the reason why it gets questioned is because if this then is true, that these facts have to then change your life. Mm-hmm. Right? They have to change how you think of life, how you structure life. If Jesus died, came back to life, is God, then what Jesus taught, did, lived, and instructed us to do has to then come into our life and change what we're doing. Yeah.
0: So in that, even we're looking at like a historical look, right? Mm-hmm. But when we're looking at what is happening in history, as you're saying, it would almost be like if you were likening it to a scientific discovery hmm. Right. When you look at, oh, we figured out that disease came from bacteria and viruses. Therefore, how we prevent it and how we treat it is completely transformed because of it. Right. hmm. And if you were to look at just that kind of a concept, it's like, no, no, what happened has shifted reality. So it's not like Jesus, like, well, did he exist or like what happens? Like, no, no, no. What he came and what he was teaching and what he was um, what we were discovering through his life and the reality that came from the death from his death and from Mm -hmm. his resurrection is like it's reality shifting to the point I'm not just like oh no Alexander the Great he he was real Mm -hmm. it's like no 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 (laughs) there's something something shifts because of it yeah which I think uh, the world kind of recognized given that we changed our calendaring system Mm -hmm. obviously that didn't happen immediately you know Mm -hmm. that was kind of after the but Yes, all of history points to something major happened here. Yeah. Pay attention. And it
1: changes us. Uh, Mark has this. This is an actual quote from the book that I'll read, and I thought this was really good. It said that that is the value of eyewitnesses, and it is why the Gospels are more verifiable than any other ancient document. Mm -hmm. It is almost as if someone knew Jesus historically uh, would be challenged in the future and so set out to establish his concrete historical footing with documents that could be trusted for a trusted for a millennia, the dating of the Gospels leaves insufficient timing for legendary influences to erase the core historical facts.
0: Yeah, I don't know if you, if he's got it there, but another thing you brought up that Mark being written what 60 A.D. Mm-hmm. But you have Paul's writings being written first, which is kind of backwards because you think, oh, you'd have the stuff about Jesus written first right. and then you have what happened after, but it it's flipped around. Um, but even there is added confirmation because you have what Paul is writing about and the life of the church and what he brings up about who Jesus is mm-hmm. being confirmed by these eyewitnesses. Right. Right. It's not like Mark, and Matthew and Luke wrote these gospels, and then somebody else later is like, "Cool, how do we build on that?" Mm-hmm. So it's just another level of the intricacy that you
1: can't really manufacture. Right, right. Yeah, that's why I really like that last quote that I read. It was like, "It's like if someone knew that who Jesus was would be questioned," and and I think coming down to it, and then we'll get into our uh, little section. We're know we're not. We no. got some more. Yeah. Okay. I, I think that. Uh, That's the defining thing for us is that who Jesus is. Uh, And that's where if we can refute one thing, the the beginning thing is his existence. Mm -hmm. I I think at this point, I mean, you got to be pretty stubborn to still refute the existence of Jesus. Just documentation historically. I don't think there's anyone, whether they're Christian or not, as far as uh, historians who would discount Jesus's existence. But there are still people who want to
0: yeah and if you want to, then you'll mm-hmm. everything get shaped from that
1: right and i and I think that's where this is coming into play is like because if I start taking away this and that, then I don't have to like we were talking about earlier, submit to the challenge that Jesus lays for our lives it's It's a huge one mm-hmm. and, and I do like his book, and there's a section about uh the the three calls to action Jesus gives us for to be a disciple, follow me, pick up your cross. Um, and deny yourself. And he talks about how they're all actions. They're not like beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, but like those are actions that will change us. And if we if we don't really look at Jesus as Lord, God, or Savior, and just maybe a teacher or a rabbi, then yeah, we don't have to really follow those things or do those three things.
0: Yeah, which when you look at the earlier church and just earlier peoples, uh, your beliefs and your actions weren't separated. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a distinction that we've lost Mm -hmm. of like believing in Jesus means that your life is following after in actionable, like clear ways. It's not a mental thing that you hold to. Mm -hmm. So just on on that is like, yes, they would be action points because that's what belief means. Um, Can I switch gears a little bit on it? Yeah, because I might have mentioned this in the teaser, but just where this whole myth that's true thing was personally relevant to me is you you brought up uh, Buddha and Muhammad, right? And when you get to this thing of like a myth, a lot of people will look at, oh, all religion is a myth. Or there's different things like myth and religion and ancient stuff all kind of gets tied together. And I think especially as we are heading into slash coming out of Christmas time, right? (laughs) You get this thing of a virgin birth. Like that sounds like a myth. That sounds like, I don't know, I'm going to go and read Greek mythology, right? It's called mythology, right? And you you have that coming to where these things that seem fantastical and miraculous. And just like, well, no, I can't believe it because it's outside of what normally should be happening or whatever. It's like, well, yeah, if you have the existence of God and he is outside of, and he's interacting in, like, you need to have some allowance for the miraculous and and that coming through. But that's a little bit of a tangent. Where it became personally relevant for me is there's all kinds of stuff on the internet that you can find about that Christianity is a ripoff. Mm-hmm. Of other beliefs, that Christianity is recycled things. If you look at Jesus and the virgin birth and this and that, they're just borrowing it from this and they're recycling and making it about Jesus and like basically that it's a conglomeration and a ripoff and that nothing there is original and it's just recycling old stories. And if you go and you look, and I didn't fully buy onto that. It was a consideration for me because I'm like, oh, is there something behind that? And I'm not going to take the time on the podcast to elaborate on that because there are such good explainer videos on youtube that you can go and find like maybe i can find a good one put in the show notes or something to kind of walk through that breakdown um that they'll do it much better and let's not take the time to do it but demonstrably false hmm. <laughs> like Christianity was not ripping off these other yeah. things when you get these videos like, oh, well, no, they just took this. It's just like when you actually look back, that's not what those ancient religions and belief systems like were doing. Like that's not even part of it. Like you just have someone on YouTube just making up stuff to tear down Christianity. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, at times there is something that maybe might sound similar, not mm-hmm. that all of it's completely made up. But that was a thing for me when just looking at beyond just the how would I say it? like the narrative of things. Mm -hmm. For me, more of what it was is like, okay, but what is this actually producing? Like, is the end result of these religions the same? That's where I got stuck. Yeah. Because I was like, there's a lot of good stuff in Buddhism. I really like Taoism and looking at that and just um, as I read these different scriptures and there's a lot of good things that I found like, man, there's a lot of wisdom in there. And like, that's something that didn't exist in the Bible, but like that perspective is pretty cool. And I can see how it is actually... Um, complementary to what's in the Bible. So you get this thing of like, are they all saying the same thing? Mm-hmm. And coming to the point of like, okay, but what's different about Jesus? And that's where even myths, like I'm pretty sure if you look at the dictionary definition of a myth, it doesn't mean that it didn't exist. Mm-hmm. right? It's not like it's a completely right, made up right, story. Right, so when yeah. we are looking at all of these ancient stories, really with Jesus being not a truth, but the truth. Mm -hmm. That's where I had to come down to like, okay, so there's maybe all these good things that might be compatible in ways. If you're honestly looking at it, there's also a lot where they're not compatible. So then you're faced with like, well, which of these is is the better to hold on to? Which comes down to, I think, what we're looking at in trying to discover a savior and and this path to discovering a savior is, yeah, which direction do we go? And we're obviously on the path to like, Jesus. Mm-hmm. So as we're looking at what we're about to hop into, and then as we continue during the series, I think that that's a big distinction that I personally went through that developed my faith was coming to the thing of like, no, when all cards are on the table, you're like, you got to be honest. And and what do you move forward with? Right. Here? And there is so many clear distinctions about who Jesus is, that he's not just the teacher. Like, that's not just a cliche thing. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he's a teacher. He's a rabbi. He's a prophet. It's just like, no, 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 him being the Messiah, the Son of God, his death and his resurrection, like is so unique that when you get the purposes behind that, it's like, yeah, it explains our reality mm-hmm. and it explains the relationship to God in a way that nothing else does. Yeah. And so when you get that, it's like, oh, okay, that's what makes this different.
1: The Heavenly Hearing Aids customer service team is top-notch. In fact, let's look at a few calls that came in recently.
0: Heavenly Hearing Aid, this is Gabriel. How can I help you?
1: Yes, I was recently told I was going to have a son named John. I'm just wondering, how can I be sure of this? You know, me and my wife are old.
0: Listen, I stand in the presence of God and translated that information clearly to your device. Since you didn't believe me, you are not going to be able to speak until he is born. Heavenly Hearing Aid, this is Gabriel. Do not be afraid, you who have found favor with God. You are going to have a son named Jesus, and he will be the Son of the Most High.
1: How will this be?
0: Go visit your cousin Elizabeth. She is also pregnant. This will be your sign to know I am telling you the truth.
1: May it be to me as you have said.
0: Heavenly Hearing Aid, this is Gabriel. How can I assist you?
1: Me and my shepherd buddies just got a message from a host of angels and are wondering what to do.
0: Yes, yes, I see that in our files. Just follow what they said and you will meet your savior.
1: The Heavenly Hearing Aid, number one in customer service and providing the best help so you can hear from heaven clearly. But I'm jumping
0: to the end as far as death and resurrection, right? But we're looking on
1: the other end. Yeah, we're starting at the beginning. Well, I think we've already started at yeah. pre-beginning. Been, yeah. This is like, all right, here it is. So uh, Luke 2, 1 through 20. Um, do you want to just read like up to verse 7?
0: Yeah. the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling costs and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn.
1: You know, what's funny is that even within this story, like, the the mist that, like, we've kind of created with mm-hmm. our own nativity scenes. Right. Um, but one of the things, just right out of the gate, uh, I'm going to go to R.C. Sproul's because for me has really helped as I've been diving into this, everything that we knew. It was good. Uh, He said, this would be the most significant birth in the history of humanity. And I don't think there's any way you argue that like the birth of Jesus being the most significant birth in all of humanity. Um, But what we have with Luke is name dropping. Mm -hmm. So uh, right out there, he's just name dropping in those days, Caesar Augustus. So uh, he was one of the most important emperors in the history of the Roman empire perhaps the most powerful human being before the day Jesus was born. And uh, originally called Octavian, he emerged as the chief ruler of Rome after the death of Mark Anthony. Again, name dropping to give us time because his reign was from 30 BC to 14 AD. So this gives us a time frame of when this birth would occur. And that's where... So much of my study time, honestly,
0: went into these first uh, seven verses. Oh, really? I just got so stuck on this because it was fascinating to mm-hmm. me because really it's coming down the, we're calling it the myth that's true. Right. So I'm like, the validity's got to be there. Like, we can't just be saying it just to say it. Yeah. So I got stuck on this because it's just like, oh, yeah, it's true. And you start name dropping. And as you brought up earlier, like, there's there's a few mentions of Jesus outside of, mm-hmm. and there's definitely more mentions of these guys outside right. of. And... Trying to line up the timeline is a very interesting thing because as you mentioned, Caesar Augustus being um, to that level of BC and depending, there's a, there's various ways that that fluctuates a few years back and mm-hmm. forth as far as when that ends. Uh, but then you have not mentioned here, you have Herod because you have right. at Jesus's right. time of birth. You have Herod coming in because he wants to wipe out all the children. So you know that there's during the time of Herod that's there. Then you have this other guy, uh, Quirinius, the governor of Syria, and really, when you're looking at those three characters, it's kind of hard to bring them into alignment. Yeah. And did you get into that? I went no, no, no down the rabbit hole, and I don't want to bore people, but I think that it's important because yeah. I was just like, again, oh no, this one's true, and it's like, well, I'm I'm fact checking you, and th- yeah, here's yeah, the dates, yeah. Um especially when you're looking at Quirinius because he seems to be coming. AD Mm -hmm. significantly like maybe six to nine and and further on whereas you have Caesar Augustus prior like quite a little bit prior and then you have Herod Um, yeah the the timeline as well so you're trying to bring them together but the one with Quirinius is really what got me because how do you move him from being so far AD Mm. to this time of where we're looking at Jesus's birth and I know from just some of my thoughts and opinions when looking at the book of Revelation and when you get the astrological birth of Jesus and I think we've talked about it on the podcast that when you take Revelation 12 and you are looking at the virgin yeah, yeah, yeah. clothed with the with the mm-hmm. sun and the moon and giving birth that that gets dated to around September 11th 3 BC. Right. And so I've held to that not super strongly if I'm wrong okay that's fine. Mm-hmm but I've been looking for that date of like what lines up with three BC being okay. So that's where I'm trying to get these guys and like, is there a way that they can come to and you get, okay, well maybe Quirinius cause you can have him be a civil governor, but then there's also like a military governor. Right. And you have him going off and doing battle with like the Gauls and there's all kinds of stuff going on. That's pretty well tracked. Mm-hmm. The fact that they can know where people are at and they're coming in and out of power. Um, So I found this from F.B. Marsh in uh, his book, The Founding of the Roman Empire, which dates back to 1922. So people have been figuring this stuff out for hundreds and thousands of years, right? He suggested 3 to 2 B.C. as a Mm. time for Quirinius to, to make sense in there. So, yeah, throughout all of the scholarship, being able to bring it down, there is an alignment that you can take that lines them all up. That lines them all together. Yeah. And as I was looking through, because you get people saying all kinds of stuff when it comes to scholarship, which is Mm -hmm. like, well, Luke was wrong or he read it in this way Mm -hmm. or he was trying to align the birth of John with a thing and, you know, going back and Mm -hmm. forth. And again, that's on a level of like critical scholarship. That's kind of like, no, we'll we'll say that it's okay for this to be wrong and they're just trying to mix it. But when you actually take what's being said, you can line it up. Yeah. And I just thought that that was super cool going through because it took me a minute to come to that conclusion because everyone else was, like, all over the place.
1: Yeah. And I, and I think what adds to it is uh, when I was looking into it is that Corinius, uh, right? That's how it said? Yeah. Uh, there was no archaeological evidence of him being governor of Syria. So that's where you kind of get into the questioning, like you are saying, the time frames and the archaeological evidence of him. So, like, because there's no archaeological evidence of him being governor of Syria, uh, Luke was a liar. Mm-hmm. Uh but it's just lack of evidence of common, uh, like, Roman governor officials, like, in the first century. It doesn't hold weight because Pontius Pilate, who we talked about earlier, there was no archaeological evidence of him until 1960. And I think, I mean,
0: obviously, people can hold up what they hold to. But I think that because it became somewhat of a meme of oh, the Bible is wrong archaeologically until you make the discovery that proves it right. Right. I think that that's happened enough times that, like, people aren't standing on that as strongly as they used mm-hmm. to because there has been, there used to be such bold assertions that then get later proved that yeah. I think that that's not as strong of a thing anymore. Hmm. But, yeah, just
1: because, what is it, like an argument from silence? Well, yeah. you don't have it, so it must not be true. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Nah. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's a weird one to make. And, uh, you know, when you think about it, like, because maybe there was no like notable impact in history from Cunarius or any really extant records, uh, that wasn't the point Luke was trying to make mm-hmm. with putting this there. What he was trying to make was uh, he was trying to provide um, a chronological marker for the original readers. Right, who didn't have our dating system to go back and like get confused on? Like I feel like every time we talk about dating, there should always be a plus or minus both ways, right? Because you know we could say Mark was written in thirty A.D., plus or minus five years, and that would still be accurate because the dating is just a little off. Uh, But really, what Luke is making his purpose here is that. These people were real. This event was real. This is what really happened. I know I, I even read in my studies that uh, it was hard for people to track the the census. Mm-hmm. Like there was no yeah, census yeah, under this yeah. time until the historical document, the evidence was found that like, oh, there was. So like you're saying, a lot of times we we get into it thinking, oh, because there's no historical evidence, there's no archaeological evidence, we're immediately disproving it. I think that thought process has been Consistently debunked more than anything, is that eventually it gets found. I, I was reading, I was watching actually something today on uh, Instagram, and it was a reel about like Bible proof or something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was an Egyptian, uh, like one of those big old tablet Egyptian things. Like Stele. Yeah, that goes back to like uh, one thousand two hundred sixty A.D. or B.C. and it uh, it had. Israel's name. It was like one Mm -hmm. of the most ancient things to mention Israel. And on it, it listed all these other uh, cities and, and nations on it. And the little symbol next to them had like a king thing next to it. Yeah. 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 And this thing didn't, it had like, not that. So he goes, this kind of puts it into the time of judges, which constantly says, Mm -hmm. I've I've seen that video. Yeah. At the, this time there are no Kings. Uh, Just really, again, going back to the more, History allows us the more it proves the Bibles exists, and that why people like Luke were like, "Let me name drop more and more for you, yeah, so I know that I
0: zeroed in on Corinius there, but there's so much that when you're going through the people have broken this down, and it wasn't until I'm even studying it deeper that I'm realizing that like, oh, there are questions that I could and should be asking, mm-hmm. like you brought up this um the census that was happening right and Luke points out here, it's the first registration from him. So it's just like you can look at that that means that there wasn't one prior or that this was the first of the ones that were coming up. Mm -hmm. So trying to place like in a little bit there that there is a a census that happened, which then later on in the book of Acts, it's not called, oh, the first census, it's just called the census. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, yeah, that one that happened when Jesus came, like it's Mm -hmm. just a known historical time when it happened. But then you get into, okay, why, I guess, you can look at during the time, it wouldn't have... If you're a Roman taking part in the thing, women wouldn't go. Right, right. So yeah. like, why is Mary going with him? But then it's been shown historically that there were other times, I mean, during this time and situations to where, no, the woman, if they were over 12, would also show mm-hmm. up. And just all of these bits and pieces that threw this to be like, okay, is this actually how this thing would take place? And as I went through it piece by piece... Like there is precedent set that this is how it could have and would have and right. did take place during yeah. that time. And just really coming down to the myth that's true. I went super hard in this section of because you're claiming this so historically, does it check out? And I was like, it did. I was, I was surprised at the amount of detail that went. normally you hear me just go, uh, scholars are being stupid and questioning yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I, I really broke it
1: apart. I was like that was pretty legit. Yeah, and that's the important part of this. And and again, you know, the each account, I think we have, is it Mark and oh no, it's Matthew and Luke give us a birth account of Jesus. Um Mark doesn't, it just jumps into John the Baptist running. And then John, I guess, gives us a pinpoint of Jesus' existence yeah. in the beginning. Way yeah, in <laughs> the beginning. It goes way backwards. But with with Luke, it's the so much of people, place, and time because one of the biggest mistakes we make is reading the Bible with the, what, what are we, 21st century? Mm-hmm. With our 21st century lens. And this wasn't written to me. It was written for me, but not to me. Understanding that, that this was written to a specific people who we may look at it and be like, well, there's no evidence for this governor in Syria um, uh, but just think 2000 years in the future, uh, there's no evidence of Bob Archuleta being a congressman, right? Right. And, but we knew that was true. So for us today. I only know that
0: because that guy has so much advertisements yeah, everywhere.
1: He does. It's all over our neighborhood. And most people ask me if I'm related to him. Yep. I sure do. Every time <laughs> I see one, is this your uncle? Yeah. We get a postcard from him every year. It says, uh, vote for me. <laughs> it's a Christmas card from him. Um, but. Like no one would know that. Right. But if I were talking to someone currently today about this small local governor or official, uh, we would know when that was. And that's the point of what Luke was trying to get to and what, or how we should view it is these name drops this mentioning the census, the first census it's to give the people he was writing to a place to go back to check. So I'm still just like, Duck on Bob Archuleta. <laughs> yeah,
0: you, you should write him back a card and be like, from one Archuleta to another. Um, yeah. <laughs> but the the point being to to bring it into a reality of a situation, Luke writing this, having these historical things, would make it the most easily dismissible thing if there was no census, mm-hmm. if there was no Korean. Quirini- like, you know, it's yeah. like, it had its opportunity. The best time to debunk it was when it was written. Right. Like, so much would have been written in response to it mm-hmm. of just tearing it down. Like, we have all kinds of debates going back, not just from Christian history, from, like, all history of, like, philosophers putting out ideas and then those things getting knocked. Like, and it's just that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. It would have been the easiest point to dismantle the thing. Right. Like, oh, look at this guy. He did all of his research. None of that stuff actually happened. Done. hmm So. Yeah. Nail in the coffin. Yeah. This, this is all myth. I did almost want to call this the myth that's true, and then in parentheses, are you predestined part three? <laughs> Just because when you look at God working through Caesar Augustus and having mm-hmm. this uh, census take place, so then they had to travel and all of the things that were taking place to fulfill prophecy. Right. It's like... Going back to the predestination, like, yeah, God's in control of the narrative, but people are also doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Augustus is taking the census because he wants to be able to tax people. So he right. got how many people are there and how much of their stuff can I take? Mm-hmm. That's the census. So he's working just within his realm of like, I'm ruling this thing. Yeah. But God's like, no, nope, I'm going to make it serve my ends because way back when I said some things that were going to happen mm-hmm. and they are going to happen. So just the level of predestination that like God working through things and people and circumstance is just amazing to me.
1: Yeah, and I think we get caught up with like, oh, the sense is we read the story it's so familiar that we lose the the myth mm-hmm. of it that like, what was happening here behind the scenes, what was at play for uh, Caesar to take over and be the first one to, to declare, to be declared emperor of all Roman Empire, to mm-hmm. bring the Roman Empire together and Probably the most tight-knit form it had been, but still not. But, you know, declare himself that. And then, yeah, what does any emperor want to do? Well, how am I going to make money off of these people? Tax them. How do we tax them? We got to get them all to the one central location. And, and going back with the historical details of uh, Jesus of Nazareth, poor podunk town. They, they weren't going to do the census there. Let's get them all to the place of their origin. So that
0: place of origin, that was one of the details as well. It's like that wouldn't normally be how it was. Mm-hmm. Like if you're trying to count people, just count them where they're at. Right. You don't need to put them somewhere. However, and this is something that's not listed in scripture, but it, it does bring up the level of plausibility, is that if you were a landowner, then you went back to where you owned land. So it's not just like, oh, cool, that's where your ancestry's from. Like that's not really how they ran things in the Roman Empire to mm-hmm. do. but. If Joseph owned land in Bethlehem in some way or form that that's where that was, then that's a reason why he would go. Mm. One of the plausible reasons why I would, again, it's not listed in scripture, but when you, there's a lot of things that aren't listed in scripture, right, right? right? But that's a plausible way when you're looking at why would they even do that? It's like, well, there's reasons why they they would have and could have. So that was just one of the things that that I found. Like, yeah, why would he go up to Bethlehem? Mm-hmm. It's like, well... There are reasons why they, they would have worked out. And it does combat that thing of knowing that they're poor and knowing that there could be land there. And just like, how was he tied into that? And that's mm-hmm. just one of the mysteries. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to spend my time like, this is going to unravel the gospel for me. Right. How was he poor and owned land? And why didn't he live where the land was? It's just like, I know people that own houses in Texas and they don't live in them. Yeah. Because they want to live in California, but they're making money from over there. From house in and Texas. guess what?
1: They're poor in California, mm-hmm. <laughs> but they're, they're trying to get by yeah. by renting the Texas house. Yeah. So I think one of the things, too, you mentioned uh, this predestination. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, we could even tie all of this into all the episodes leading up to this moment. Prophecy. Yes, can we trust yes. it? Uh, investigation for the truth. Um, predestination. Uh, and it you know took me to Micah 5:2 it said but you bethlehem though you are small among the clans of Judah out of you will come from mm-hmm. me one who will rule over Israel whose oranges are of old from ancient times that's what i'm talking about that's, that's why it had to happen yeah so that's why it had to happen uh, rc Sprouls, again i'm probably going to quote him so much during this he said here's the most powerful emperor of the world acting out the decree of god himself mm-hmm. caesar augustus and the final analysis was but a pawn in the hands of the lord God omnipotent. Um, This dimension of the narrative makes it quite different from all the other myths and fables that surround the religions of the ancient world. The Greek deities, for example, were never born and raised in real history. And so, even Luke kind of putting a place in a timestamp of Jesus' birth is like, like you were saying, the difference uh, uh, where all religions kind of seem the same. Jesus' virgin birth and mythology can be Combined with all the other ones uh, during that time, because Luke is writing to a Gentile right. community, he's like saying, you know, Zeus not born somewhere, Venus not born somewhere, all these people, they're not born anywhere. Uh, but here we can pinpoint the birth of God mm-hmm. in a sense. So just so much history, so much of it. But let's get into the other part. Yeah. Sorry, church friends, but we're going to unfortunately cut this episode right here due to budget cuts and legals. Just kidding. So make sure you tune in next week for the conclusion of this episode. With that, I'm Chris. I'm Jördl. And we're your church friends. Thanks for listening. Hey, thank you very much for listening to this episode. If you have any questions, need prayer, or want to share your thoughts about the show, you can email us at yourchurchfriends at gmail.com. We would really love to hear from you.
0: And if you're on Facebook, take a moment to join our group page so that you can stay up to date with what's going on with the podcast and join any discussion about our latest episodes.
1: Also, do us a favor and follow and subscribe to the show on whatever podcasting platform you listen to, and then leave a review and ratings. Most importantly, share this with a friend. They will thank you for it, and so will we. And finally, be sure to go check out the Christian Podcasters Association Network for other quality Christian podcasts. Don't forget to check out our website, yourchurchfriends.rocks. Again, that website is yourchurchfriends.rocks because we rocks.